This episode of Writing Excuses is brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash excuse to start your free trial membership. Season 8, Episode 35. This is Writing Excuses, digging yourself out of holes with Jeff, Jeff Jacks. Fifteen minutes long because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Mary. <laughs> I'm Howard. We just fall all over ourselves when Dan isn't here. Um, I'm really excited to welcome Jeff Jacks on to uh, the podcast with us. For those who don't know, I'm, I'm a super nerd about two things. One is Magic the Gathering and the other is web ca- cartoons, um, web comics. And I am super excited to have more another webtoonist on with us. So Jeff, tell us about questionable content and about stuff that you're up to right now. Okay, uh, Questionable Content is a long-running, serialized, five days a week uh, internet comic strip. It's uh, part sitcom, part relationship comedy, part uh, light sci-fi. It's about a group of 20-somethings living in a college town in western Massachusetts trying to figure out what they want to do with their lives. And all at the same time, there are little robots running around everywhere kind of causing havoc and creating problems and things like that. I heard it once described as hipsters in love. That is a really good way of putting it. I I often put that the comic is about people who want to kiss and then don't. (laughs) It's really quite good. And robots. Yes, and robots. I've I've read it for many years. Um, uh, Jeff's... Art style is one of these interesting things to watch evolve into many different shapes and forms. It's, it's a fantastic comic. Y'all should go read it. Uh, questionable content. He is going to be talking with us about how to dig yourself out of holes because, Jeff, you are what we call a discovery writer, right? Yes. You figure it out as you go along. Absolutely. Is this scary? Uh, oftentimes it is very frightening. Um, I found that I, I've been doing the comic for just over 10 years now, and it does get less scary the longer you do it because uh-huh. you gain more confidence in, okay, right. I've been in this situation before, I can I can work my way out of it. But there definitely is that fear of the unknown where it's like I don't necessarily know what I'm doing with the story next week or mm-hmm. tomorrow or tonight or four hours ago when I was supposed to start working. Um, <laughs> so you do you do run into those moments and I have you know figured out strategies for, for dealing with it and working within that over the years. I got a question for you, Jeff. I, you know, as a as a fellow web cartoonist. Oh yes. Um, yes. Uh, what do you start with? I mean, as a, as a discovery writer, how far ahead of the, you know, starting on the picture, starting on the words, do you have the idea that is going to become that strip? Uh, it really depends on what stage of idea you're talking about. I, I tend to th- think in terms of long-term plot points that okay. I will aim for over time. Uh, but at the same time, most of like every strip I do is kind of made up off on the spot the, d- the day it has to go up. Um, occasionally I will kind of, you know, get a wild tear and go on a tear and write five or six comics in the course of one day. But that is definitely unusual for me. Most of the time it's just one comic, one day, start over again the next day. Okay. And the, the second part of that question is, you know, when, you know, when that idea genesis happens, um, are you leading with, uh, you know, words and story or, you know, textual sorts of elements? Or do you have a, a picture that you really want to draw, really want to drive towards? For me, it always starts with text. Uh, I can't, I'm not one of those blessed cartoonists who can just write something and then add words later and have it make sense. I have to have a script either complete or close enough to complete that I'm happy with it. And that extends to the plot things, too. It's always, it's always you know, a, a, a thing that happens, a narrative 
of some sort that I get to rather than, oh, that would be a really cool thing to draw, I want to aim for that. Um, it's great when I get to draw cool things, but for me, the, the text has always been the more important uh, starting point. You know, the, the topic of this um, is about digging yourself out of holes, and I think this is going to be a very important topic for our listeners. Um, even, I'm not a discovery writer. I'm what we call an architect. I build my, my story, and then I, I start writing it, but every writer I know, even the most architecty of architects, um, you, you come up with new things as you're writing. You decide, oh, I really need to do this instead, and you, your instincts tell you to go with it, but then you get into these corners and you have to get out of them, and it can be really hard. And so what I wanna talk about are strategies. What, what's your primary strategy? You're in this hole, you're like, oh no, I have no idea how to write my way out of this without just you know, waving my you know, magic fingers and saying, it was all a dream. Um, what do you do? In my case, uh, for, for starters, I used to worry about this, like actually mm -hmm. keep me up at night for years on it. The first probably three or four years of my mm -hmm. comic were I know I'm painting myself into this corner and I don't know what I'm going to do when I get there. And uh, this was early on when pretty much the whole plot of the comic centered around the, the Martin and Faye romance and mm -hmm. the whole will they, won't they have that. And it was getting to the point where they had been doing will they, won't they for so long that I was like, I'm going to have to resolve this sooner or later or the comic is just going to stagnate and die. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I, I literally woke up one morning, it was like Thanksgiving break, I was visiting my, my wife's parents for the holiday, and I just woke up one morning and I was like, okay, it's time to deal with this. And I just sat down and I kind of just stared it down and started writing and just went to see what would happen. And it, it was not pure discovery writing in that I didn't, I wasn't just like, whatever happens is great, that's what I'm doing. There was definitely calculation involved mm -hmm. behind it. I was like, what will be best for the long term? But I found that when you find yourself in a corner, often the first step to getting out of it is to admit that, okay, I'm cornered. I, I can't just pretend like this isn't a problem. I, I have to take steps to address it. And I think depending on your situation, there are a lot of different ways to do it. Um, I'm a big fan of Brian Eno's Oblique Strategies. I don't mm -hmm. know if you're familiar with it, but it's this deck of cards with random, almost like uh, gnomic phrases on them. And you just draw one from the deck at random, flip it over, and it will say something, and you try to apply whatever it says to your project. It was designed for working on you know, albums when you get stuck in the mixing stage, but it works for any kind of creative thing. It can be something as simple as try it backwards, or turn it around, or go for a walk. And, it's really good for kind of jogging your mind as to, okay, how am I approaching this? What if I Why try something I completely different? Why have I not heard deck of cards before? That it's, sounds fantastic. It's fantastically brilliant. It, in fact, there, there's a web app for it now where you can click a button and it'll wow. generate one. It's called Oblique Strategy. Is there one for my phone where I can shake the phone? I am, <laughs> I am virtually certain that there is one now. It's, it's absolutely indispensable. And even if you don't use the actual strategies themselves, I found it's a great way to approach problems because you think, okay, I'm just going to step back and try something new. In the case of my comic, I have the advantage that over the years the cast has broadened right. and the stories become more broad. So if, I'm, if I find myself getting to a point where I'm feeling stuck, I have the option of saying, all right, let's just switch the focus for a little while and see if that changes things. Or approach it from the viewpoint of a different character or introduce a different character to this scenario. Throw them into the box, shake it up, and see what happens. And I find that that often if not completely solving the hole I've dug myself into, at least shines some light on a different cranny of it that I can kind of explore and see what's there. Um, and yeah, yeah. As, I was, as I was saying earlier, I think not being afraid of it is the, is the biggest 
step and hurdle that I've had to overcome. Once you get to the point where like I can deal with this, right? Suddenly you can deal well, with. Well, and that's that's that requires just a lot of practice. Um, and I've often described writing to be more like a performance than a lot of people that don't write a lot think. Like when you sit down there and you stare at the screen, you're going to perform for a few hours. And it's something you've cha- trained yourself to do. And yes, you can go back and tweak and change, but well, That's yeah. the thing that's been occurring to me mm-hmm. listening to this, to, to um, Jeff. Jeff, sorry, I was like, I was totally reaching fine. for the last name and I was like, no, no, no. no. Um, is that one of the big differences between what you're doing and what mm-hmm. a novelist or short story writer does is that you can't go back and retcon and insert things. Oh, the angry email I would mm. get if I ever did. It would and, be very bad. And that's one of the ways, that's one of the strategies that I run into when I'm writing is that if I write, discover that I've written myself into a corner, I'm like, oh, well, I just needed to have put the gun on the mantle yeah. in the first act and I can just go back and add it, mm-hmm. um, which is a great strategy for me, but not for something that is... Already said. Not one I can use either. Yeah, not Uh really. Not so much. Luxury. (laughs) (laughs) These writers have it so easy. (laughs) Yes, we do. Howard tells us every week. Yes. Let's stop for our book of the week. Um, uh, Jeff is actually going to talk to us about one of Ian Begg's culture novels. Yes. uh, One of my favorite of Mr. Banks' novels of all time is set in the culture series. It is called Player of Games, and it is about a professional game player in the culture universe. Uh, who is regarded to be one of the best, if not the best, player of games in this entire galaxy-sprawling empire. He can play any game and beat anybody at it. Uh, He has like superhuman focus and ability to figure out how to play things. And at the start of the novel, he's basically won everything there is to win, and he's getting into that crisis of, okay, now what? And at that point, the culture's essentially uh, CIA comes to him and says, There's this crazy backward civilization that we've run into this diplomatic conflict with. We need you to go there and play their game that is part of their national culture and religion, and it it suffuses every aspect of their lives. It's ridiculously complicated. It's so complex that he never even actually describes it in the Hmm. book. It's just a series of scenes. And this guy has to go and figure out this game that the people on this world spend their entire lives learning how to play. And he has about three months to figure it out and hopefully try to beat their best player in the world. Wow, and, that's uh, awesome. It, it, it's yeah. a really great book It's got because it's got a super tight plot, almost like a, like a thriller in mm-hmm. a sense. And at the same time, it's set in this utterly fantastic, far future, super, super like hard sci-fi, hard sci-fi to the point where it's almost a fantasy novel Mm -hmm. setting. And uh, I just really love it. It's a really tight read. It's a great introduction to the culture as an overall setting. I think it may have been his first. It was certainly very early, if not the first. Howard, how can they get that? Head on out to audiblepodcast.com slash excuse. You can start a 15-day or 30-day free trial membership. Uh, Pick up Ian Banks' Player of Games, as recommended to you by Jeff Jacks. Um, and I'm going to second the recommendation because I love the book. So, Howard, what's your strategy? You've written yourself into a corner. All the time. Yes. Um, the, the advantage that I have uh, over Jeff is that I work two to three weeks ahead. And sometimes, I say sometimes, I think it's happened twice now. I will realize, I'll look at the scripts that I've written I'm getting ready to write something new, and I realize there, there's something wrong. And usually, the and, and we didn't talk about this yet, the recognition that something is wrong yeah. um, arrives after you feel 
anger and despair and frustration and blockage and all kinds of emotional things completely unrelated to this. And then you pull back and realize, oh, oh, I'm having a bad time because I forgot to put the gun on the mantle mm -hmm. and my subconscious is telling me, you need to fix this. And actually, you should have fixed this yesterday before this strip aired. Yeah, um, that's, that's current Howard being angry at past Howard. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. Man, so that I, past Howard guy is just, he's a jerk. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, what's even worse, all the time. what's even worse is uh, when inking Howard is mad at penciling <laughs> Howard. Yeah. Oh, man, he is such a slop. Mm. Anyway, the, uh, so I would lay the strips out in front of me and look at the problem and try and figure out how much time my colorist needs to color the thing that I am about to draw. So where can I put the fix? Mm -hmm. I gotta, I gotta stick a fix in here somewhere. Where can I? That's happened three times mm -hmm. where I've had enough time. There have been several times where the ship has sailed and I look at it and say, oh, that, that is a legitimate in-universe problem. I got the physics wrong. Um, I need to hang a lantern on this and own up to it. I'm not going to retcon it. That would be silly. Um, and I have done that. I've done you make that it a, a feature instead of a bug. I, I make it a feature. Mm. And there have been times when I have looked at the plot that I've done and I realize, oh, this is so broken. I can't hang a lantern on it. I need to change points of view. I need to introduce another thread here so that when we come back to this, the thing that I'm introducing here will feel like it's been foreshadowed for long enough that I can, <laughs> which is one of the reasons why the Schlock Mercenary books have started getting longer because I need more of those fixes. Um, I really like something um, that Jeff was talking about and how he fixes it. Um, and it relates to one of my methods, which is actually um, I search out and ask myself, what is the emotion that I'm wanting from this scene? Like I, I, I've written myself into a corner. I know I've got to fix it, but the problem usually is that I'm trying to fix it in a way that is going to cause the wrong emotional beat for the scene. And I have to back up and say, ah, I need this to be X, Y, or Z. Often what I'm, saying, I'm doing is I, I say, I need this to actually be a twist, not just a patch. Um, I need this to be a feature instead of a bug. Mm -hmm. Or I need to have this end in a way that's tragic rather than hopeful or whatever it is. Um, and reducing it to my goal, reducing it to what the scene is trying to achieve can help me figure out the fix. Because often for me, like Mary, the fix is going back and, and you know, tossing that football into the air so that then um, I can catch it uh, 20 chapters later. But if I don't know what the motion is supposed to be when it lands, I'm not going to be able to make the fix. The other thing that I use that is related to that, but, but actually something that you guys could do, is that I look back at the things that I've already done and see mm. if there is anything useful in the past. Oh, absolutely. I do that all the time. Figured. Yeah. You look like a genius, don't you? Yeah. When no, you're like, <laughs> yeah. but other people think I do. Yeah, right? no, you look yeah, like, no, see, that, yeah. that's, 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 yeah, that's yeah. the point. You have yeah. people yeah. come up to your booth and say, Mr. Jax, you're a genius. How did you... Yeah. How do you plot yeah. this so... Well, that's, that's the beauty of working in a serialized format, is that I can do a random one-off joke, and then if I remember it 300 strips later, that's not a one-off anymore. That was brilliant foreshadowing that nobody <laughs> could have predicted. Never throw anything away. Yeah, ever. Mm -hmm. Never, mm -hmm. ever, ever. Yeah. Um, well, we 
Really liked having you on, Jeff. Um, there's one more thing you're doing that you wanted to talk about. You have a Kickstarter going yes, on? Yes, I do. I, uh, I have just recently launched a Kickstarter for the next Death Mole album, which is uh, my instrumental heavy metal project. Uh, we are going to, for the first time ever, be going into an actual recording studio and having it actually professionally recorded, mixed and mastered and all of that. Uh, the Kickstarter is already funded. It's doing extremely well. It's something like 500% over target right now. But the more money we get into it, the more cool stuff I can do, including more music and, and more additions and things like that. So if you want to check that out, that would be absolutely great. And it is questionablecontent.net. Yep. Yes. Um, uh, we need a writing prompt for our wonderful listeners to, to jog them into doing something. Um, I'm going to say go back to um, what, whatever you wrote most recently um, and come up with a different solution to whatever problem and came up. It doesn't have, you don't have to change your story. It's not like I want you to you know, rewrite your story, but I want you to imagine, okay, I've got to solve this problem and I can't use the tool I used last time. Solve it in a different way and write out that scene to see how it could change the emotional beat uh, for what you've already pitched into the air. This has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write. If you aren't familiar with Locus Magazine, they're a long-standing and respected website, magazine, archive, and resource for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Basically, they're the industry magazine for our genre. They also run the annual Locus Awards, a top-tier award that recognizes new, diverse, and excellent voices in speculative fiction. They tell the storyteller's stories through author interviews, book reviews, curated reading lists, international industry news, obituaries, and more. Locus has meant a lot to me, both personally and professionally. In my career, I've been interviewed by them, and I've also turned to them as a source of understanding who is involved in the industry. Locus is holding their annual fundraising drive to keep their doors open, lights on, and future bright. I'll be contributing to their crowdfunding campaign by donating a cutscene, some original art, and a couple of other things like, do you want to do a one-on-one -on -one chat with me? So join me in supporting Locus.